that definitely made me realize right through there. I was like, yep, this is it. I don't know how I'm going to tell my parents. I had no clue. But, and I didn't, I didn't even know how to tell my friends or to really tell myself that I would, that I was gay. So I never really told him and I never really got the chance to tell him, but I don't think he'd be very receptive. Same thing with my dad. Parts of, uh, sometimes he would give me the vibe of, oh no, he's really against it. And then sometimes he'd be like, okay, maybe he'd be okay with it because I am his son, but he would want nothing to do with it. But I never really got the chance to tell him either, so I don't know. Take a girl and a guy, and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online at couplesynergy.com and be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions or topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences with working with thousands of couples for over 15 years. You know, every day we get to hear intimate details about a couple's relationship. We've often wished that others could hear what it's really like, the struggles, the celebrations, and the everyday challenges. Because we know we are more similar than different. And so we've created not only an avenue where you can hear about people's intimate lives, but an atmosphere where people come over to our home pub, pour a drink, and share their stories. People like today's guests, Ronnie and Trey. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. And, you know, you guys are actually joining us remotely from Texas, right? This is really going to be an an awesome podcast that, you know, the topic that we're talking about today is gay relationships and you guys are engaged. When did you guys get engaged? July 4th. Yeah. July 4th. That's awesome. Can you guys tell us uh, your ages and, and kind of a little bit, you know, something interesting about yourselves that people wouldn't know? Okay, so I'm 22, and something interesting about me is that I work in the theater world, and I'm a stage manager in different theaters around Houston. All right, cool. And I'm 20, and I guess something interesting about me is I'm going in the military. Awesome, awesome. Can you guys tell us the story of how you met? Actually, my best friend from high school, she invited me to come up to College Station for the weekend. And we actually met through the gay hookup app Grinder. But it started as like this little casual conversation. And then like nothing really came of it that night. And we were like, you know what? Ronnie was like, I'm gonna be going through Houston to get back home. So do you want to meet for lunch one day? And then it all just went from there. Yeah. And what was your first date like? Really awkward. (laughs) For me, it felt like I was like leading the entire conversation. Ronnie didn't talk much. I don't know. What do you, how do you feel? Yeah, it it kind of felt that way too. Me being a a shy person to begin with, I don't really talk much. So meeting someone for the first time out in public was like, this is scary. So you were Uh, shy, you were nervous. Yeah. But you you initiated it. But I went through it and. Now he can't get me to shut up. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and what was it about the other person that you were attracted to? What attracted you to the other person? So first off, looks wise, Ronnie's eyes got me because uh, he has those <laughs> wonderful eyes. And then just how calm and relaxed he was. Just no matter what I said, it was just this very like receptive. Everything's okay. That's great. I'm glad to know that. I want to know more. So just his receptiveness to everything I was saying. For him, I love his eyes. <laughs> but he has that high energy and it gets me going, even though I'm somewhat lazy all the time. <laughs> and how long until you guys knew you were a couple? Oh, it was fast. A little less than a month. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How long have you guys been together? Just over a year. Yeah, a little over a year. Just over a year. Awesome. That's really cool. So then you guys did this, did kind of a long distance type of relationship or you were not too far away from each other, right? No. College Station is like an hour, hour and a half away. Okay. So So you see each other on the weekends? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Occasionally I'll pop in during the week, just get dinner with him if I have a day off. Okay. So was this the first time you guys used like a dating app to, you know, find someone? to be in a relationship with? It's the first time I've used a dating app to be in a successful relationship. Ah, okay. (laughs) Keyword, successful, right? Is that a pretty common way that people meet? Or the dating apps? Yes and no. I think it's a common way that people meet, but I don't think that it's a common way for people to meet their forever person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And is that true in the gay world and in... What do you this call it? Heterosexual world, I straight. guess. I don't know what the comment, what the is it about the same term is. I get. I think there's more for straight people mm-hmm. just because advertise like Christian mingle, blah blah blah. And I also think there's the whole most gay men in at least Houston don't necessarily get on those apps to look for a relationship. It's about the here and now. And so yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird journey. Yeah. It's a different world. You know, They, it's part of your guys' world, but not ours. <laughs> right, right. Just dating apps that just <laughs> did not exist when we were dating at all. So it was, uh, it's, it's kind of a, a fast-paced world now, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, connecting with people online is, is now, I, I guess, the, the leading way that people are meeting mm-hmm. each other. Right. So how did you guys know that you were gay? How old were you? What was that process like for each of you? You go first. I guess around in high school, like freshman, end of freshman, early sophomore year, I just kind of figured it out because a lot of my friends were girls and I didn't really connect with guys on the same level, but I found guys more attractive than I found girls. And like for girls, I was like, oh, you're pretty. But I mean, I don't feel anything more than that. (laughs) And a guy, I was like, oh, wow, you're pretty. (laughs) Did you ever date a girl? I I dated one girl before. And how did you tell your family? A lot of them were really receptive to it. My mom, when I told her, she was like, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> apparently, when I was born, like I guess two or three, she asked one of her friends, and he's gay. And she was like, well, what do I do if Ronnie's gay? Because I think he's going to be gay, blah, blah, blah. And... He said the best thing to do is accept him for who he is because he can't really change it. And he's he's not a different person. So just keep doing what you're doing. Do you know what she was seeing that she thought 
that you were gay when you were three? There's a picture of me when we <laughs> lived in Florida for a year that I'm wearing her lingerie. <laughs> and I'm kind of drinking a cup of milk and I have a milk stash. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's it. And I have like party girl beads around my neck. Yeah. So it's a fashion sense then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. <laughs> How about for you, Trey? For me, it was actually, I think I figured it out at like the end of my sixth grade year. I was doing a show with one of the high schools. It was by my junior high. And they had a couple of the junior high kids come in and like be the little munchkins in the Wizard of Oz and whatnot. I mean, I was one of the munchkins. And I had this like weird attraction to the guy who was the scarecrow. <laughs> um, and, you know, I knew he was gay. And I had this moment of like, you know, like I've never really liked girls. I have a lot of friends who are girls, but like I've never been attracted to them. At the time I was dating a girl. Um, just because, you know, that's the norm. Everybody dated somebody in junior high and whatever. And then I had my first kiss with a dude with that scarecrow guy. That definitely made me realize right through there. I was like, yep, this is it. I don't know how I'm going to tell my parents. I had no clue. But, and I didn't, I didn't even know how to tell my friends or to really tell myself that I would, that I was gay. So junior high went on. I was still dating girls living totally in the closet. And then high school rolled around. I started telling some friends, you know, and it wasn't until after my freshman year of college that I felt comfortable enough to tell my parents. And I was terrified to tell my dad because he's like super conservative. So actually, surprisingly enough, I had church choir that night and I had about a 15 minute gap in between my theater rehearsal and my church choir rehearsal. So I told my mom, I said, hey, mom, there's something we need to talk about. And I just wanted to do it fast so I could get out of there and have an excuse to leave. And I told my mom and she totally freaked out. Like she went off the handle and like, it was this messy thing where I was just like bawling. My dad heard her yelling at me. So he came in from outside to see what was going on. And surprisingly, my dad was like, she turned to him and she was like, you know what? Your son's gay. And he goes, okay, great. First of all, our son's gay. And I could have told you that 10 years ago. And then of course, over like a year, a year and a half, my mom has totally come around and is like super supportive now, but it was just that weird adjustment for her. Also like, with her religious beliefs being Catholic, that was a hard thing for her to figure out. That's interesting. So initially, your dad was supportive. Absolutely. And th- which you did not expect. You thought it was going to be the reverse. Oh, yeah. I expected it to be the reverse. What, wow. what kind of things was your, was your mom saying? What was she concerned about? Her biggest thing that she was concerned about was how could I have a relationship with God and live my church lifestyle but then also live my gay lifestyle. She's like, those two things don't align. So one of them is fake. How are you doing this? But my response to her was, the beliefs of your church lifestyle may not line up with the beliefs of my lifestyle, but God and I have a relationship that isn't necessarily based in what Catholics believe. Mm-hmm. Is that what you were raised, Catholic? I was raised Catholic, yeah, absolutely. Was all the way through high school, confirmed Catholic, all that. And, the, and I mean, I would still consider myself Catholic, but like the priest at my last church joked to me and called me a cafeteria Catholic because I pick and choose what I want from the religion. But my response to him was I said, there's not any religion out there that I personally believe is totally correct because religion is in a sense man-made. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not about the religion, it's about my relationship with God. So, Yeah, and the church continues to change as well. Absolutely. You know, the the whole... They had to change their opinions about divorce. They had to change their opinions about birth control and stuff like that. So, you know, we're not done yet. <laughs> and and I understand that down there, the Catholic religion is actually more of a minority, right? Um, Texas? 
Yes. It's yes, more, uh, more Methodist, Lutheran, Baptist. and Baptist. And Baptist. Here. Is there a, a general, like, religious consensus as to, you know, how they approach the gay lifestyle? I honestly think it depends on the parish and the church. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do know Catholic churches who are totally accepting of it. And you're more than welcome to come there. There's other ones who literally told me to get out and don't come back. Right now, I'm singing at a Methodist church, and the guy who's the choir director is a drag queen. So I think it just, I think it just depends on the actual parish. Okay, that's good. Too. So, so the churches that asked you to get out was that were you just going there as a prisoner, or were you working there? So they hired me in there as a pianist. And then the choir director who was there was gone on maternity leave. And they asked me to step in and fill in that position while she was out. When they hired me as a pianist, they totally knew that I was gay. It was not a surprise to anybody. Like, it's not a secret. But then the priest turns around. And whenever I step into that leadership position of a choir director, he goes, you're up, you're leading a ministry that is a part of the liturgy. And I can't have someone living a homosexual lifestyle leading the liturgy when that's not acceptable in our religion. And then fired me. He says that he asked me to step down until I publicly renounced my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I told him that's not going to happen. So wow. that's that conversation. Wow. So, publicly renounced. Yep. Like stand in front of the congregation and renounce it. <laughs> like what, what are they? Yeah, because he, he, his big concern is that parishioners saw on Ronnie and I's Facebook our engagement video. Uh-huh. And he was like, a lot of a lot of people are upset about that. Well, now that the time has come around and we've heard more things, one person complained, and it happened to be someone in the church who donates a lot of money. Um, so, Got it. so that's where we are. <laughs> so how do you how do you feel about that? Not gonna lie, at first I was I didn't know how to feel. Mm-hmm. It was this I was, in the moment I was got angry and I just shut down. I sat there and sat through him talking to me and telling me that I was gonna go to hell and all this and whatever, and I. And then I went home and I was like, okay, great. My first thing was now I need to find another job because that's a huge chunk of money that I'm not getting. Mm -hmm. And it's still like right now, I'm still not totally back on track from that. And then I had to go back up to that church because I had ordered something from like one of the other band leaders up there. So I had to go pick up a book from her. And as soon as I walked through the doors, I just burst into tears. It was the most awkward thing because that's what I've been doing. I've been in church choirs and singing and playing piano since I was like eight years old. So just be automatically cut off. And this place was my home parish. Mm-hmm. Like I had grown up there, left, came back. Wow. Um, and it was just this overwhelming sense of, I was kind of lost. But then I, but then again, I went back and looked at it and it was, I kept telling myself that it's not about the church's belief. It's not about that one man's beliefs. It's about my relationship with God. Right. And so that's, that's where I've been. <laughs> but what has been your faith journey, Ronnie? And, and has it been affected by Trey's experience? Not really. I grew up Catholic as well, so I kind of knew the background and all that. And most of my friends and family, they're Catholic too, and they didn't have any problems with it. But I grew up in Galveston, which is a fairly blue city. So just growing up around them, I had the more liberal lifestyle and more accepting of things. Um, but the closer you get up to the suburbs of uh, Houston, like Katy, they're more red and they're going to be more conservative and all that. But after Trey's experience with this, this priest, it's, it really made me question like 
does the church really only put these type of people in charge? Because there's another priest there. He's great. Yeah. I love him, but he's second in command. He has no power. He mm-hmm. can't even comment on the hit priest. His, com- his comment was, I have to support whatever our lead pastor does. So I'm like, if they're going to put someone in charge that obviously has a closed mind like that and probably has some doubts about himself, about him being gay too. <laughs> it's like, do I really want to continue being a Catholic or do I want to try to find something else? Mm. Do, do you think that that's a theme that someone who is questioning their own sexuality are the people who are the most offended? Yes. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Sure. So, Ronnie, you are going into the military. Yes. And we know you're in the Corps with our son at Texas A&M. And did you have any concerns about that before you got there and what that would be like for you? Yes and no. Beforehand, I was like, okay, it's a fairly conservative school. But how I view myself is somewhat conservative uh, compared to the rest of the community. (laughs) <laughs> Trey, you're <laughs> nodding up and down. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, I can blend in somewhat. And it's not like I try to hide it, but it's not like I run around and fart glitter out my ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Lord>. So <laughs> it's like, it, it is what it is. It doesn't really define me. It's just something about me. So Yeah, and I would guess um, that the kids that your your age... You guys aren't kids, but... Peers. Yeah, it's more normal for you guys. You know, like when I grew up in the 1980s and that it was... It was hush-hush, totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and it was yeah. a really sad time because it was, it was very dangerous. It yes. was, you know, for, for guys. And they couldn't lead a normal lifestyle like you can today, which is... We've come a long way since then. Yes. So do you find more acceptance, you know, from your peers? When, when they do find out, I do. Yeah. I think so. I, I think some of the most accepting people of it, and that I would call, like for a while, I was calling my friends, my family more than my own family, mm-hmm. just because they were so accept- so accepting, and they were the people that were there through like the hardest times of it. So absolutely, the peers of people close to our age just mm-hmm. seem to be the generation that is the more accepting generation. Even people like my brother, who's only eight, nine years older than me. Mm-hmm. His generation seems more shut off to it than ours. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So what were some of the difficult parts or difficult times, as you mentioned? Just, I've always been really, really close with my mom. Um, And just having, whenever there was a problem, I'd always go to her. And when I came out as gay, of course, there were some struggles of like, how do I fit into these different groups now? Who, who's going to judge me? Who should I not tell? Mom, I'm having this problem with this guy. What should I do? But I couldn't go to her and have those conversations. Right. Because she wasn't accepting of it. Mm -hmm. So then I had to turn to my friends because my mom would always say that I was, what did she, it was, I was uh, pounding it on her, that she would eventually come around, but I needed to stop pounding on her. So my biggest goal was to not hurt her and to just let her adjust in her time. Um, So I went to my friends for it because those were the people who had my back and knew what I was going through. Okay. Were were there hard times for you, Ronnie? Not really. It was part of the time I struggled uh, with my dad being in the picture. 
because I never really understood what his standing on it was for the most part. Um, like my grandpa, he was totally against it. He thought we should burn him at the stake or whatever. Um, oh. But he he was born in 1930, so he's way old school. And, and you knew this before you even knew you were gay? Uh, yes. About your grandfather? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I never really told him, and I never really got the chance to tell him. But I don't think he'd be very receptive of it. Same thing with my dad. Parts of, uh, sometimes he would give me the vibe of, oh, no, he's really against it. And then sometimes he'd be like, okay, maybe he'd be okay with it because I am his son. But he would want nothing to do with it. But I never really got the chance to tell him either. So I don't know. What, can you talk what, about what, can you talk about that? Which part? About your dad and, you know, I know you were pretty young when he passed. So it was in a close span of, I guess, six months. Yeah, May to October. Yeah. Um, so I, my freshman year of high school, my grandpa had fallen and he got real ill. And he was in the hospital on and off for that year. And then come May, he was at home. This is 2013. He was he was doing fine. And then all of a sudden, this one day, he just got real ill. And he stayed in bed all day. My dad had moved Florida uh, back to Florida to take care of him in February. And he was taking care of him. And my grandma had come, come over. They were divorced back in the 70s, 80s, back in the 80s. So their relationship was already iffy right there. And she was over there just talking to my dad. And he, she asked my grandpa, do you want me to make you some pea soup? I can go make you some pea soup. I, it'll be ready in like 30 minutes because she only lives like a block away. He was like, yeah, you know, I would like that. She, so she goes home, does her thing. And he asked my dad to help him to the bathroom because he's he was 84, 85. And really heavy, really overweight. So he can, he had troubles getting out of the bed and going to the bathroom. So he asked him to help him. And on the way to the bathroom, he just kind of collapsed into my dad's arms. And so they called the paramedics and all that, and they couldn't do anything. So they, they pronounced him dead. And shortly after that, I flew over there because that was the end of the school year. So I spent my summer there in Florida with my dad. And then I came back for the next school year. And in August, about the first week of school, I want to say the first or second day, actually, my great uncle passed away of a heart attack in his sleep. Oh. And that's my grandpa's brother. And they were two years apart. And then in October one day, my mom came to school early to pick me up. I didn't know why. I mean, it was towards the end of the day, like the last period of the day. So I was like, okay, this is weird. Maybe we just have something to do. And she forgot to tell me I have a doctor's appointment or something. But the counselors were with her walking to the classroom and all this. And I was like, okay, that's weird. Normally don't, they don't let you, or they don't have to walk you to the classroom. They just wait for you in the front of the school. And then they, you just walk up there by yourself. She had tears in her eyes, but I didn't know why. I was like, okay, what's going on? And she's like, I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. And she gave me the keys so we could drive home. And we're driving home and she's still sniffling and all this. And I'm like, what's going on? You can tell me. And she's like, no, not while you're driving. I can't tell you while you're driving. And I'm like, okay. 
this is getting weird. I want to know what's going on. What's did something happened? Did someone lose their job or something? All this. And uh, the street right before you get to my house, there's a light and I have to turn left. So I have the red light and I'm just sitting there waiting for it to turn green. And I look in the rearview mirror and I see my sister's car behind me and she's already moved out of the house and all this. So I was like, this is weird. And I look in the car and I see everyone in the car. I'm like, okay, this is even more weird because now everybody's here, not just my sister. So we get to the house and all this, literally everyone in my family's there. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? Someone's died, I'm guessing. We just sat there in the living room. My mom was like, we have something to tell you. It's not good. We got a phone call earlier today from from your uncle. And he was like, your father passed away. He had a heart attack and passed away. How old was he? He was... 52. Wow. So young. Yeah. But he smoked like a pack a day um, and drank a lot. And over the summer, he had two stents put put in and I want to say three bypasses. So he had a lot of surgery and he was doing a lot of physical activities that he shouldn't have been doing. Mm -hmm. He was mowing the lawn. And it's, it's a big lot, my grandpa's house, like right there at the very end where uh, the, since it's a corner lot where the main street meets the side street, that's where he was. I guess he had just had his heart attack and he was on the ground. Some lady driving by saw him on the ground and was like, that's not normal. And stopped and was like, I need to call the ambulance. And they called the ambulance. So everybody found out that. So in in the meantime, you're kind of trying to figure out your own life and who you're going to tell. And this Mm -hmm. is right around the same time, right? Yeah. Well, that's tough. How did that impact you then your your high school life, you know, and then, you know, eventually dating and, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to get more in touch with yourself and who you are and who you want to be? I struggled in school for a little bit after that. That fall semester was really hard just because it's, October school just started and I still have the rest of November and December to deal with. My grades dropped quite a bit. I was always an A student and then it dropped down to where I was getting a few C's and a couple B's and like maybe an A. Um, and that, and it stayed like that for the pretty much the whole semester. And uh, eventually I finally got it back up dealing with that. And then trying to find out who I was as a person because it really hit me hard after having three people in my life pass away within six months. Mm -hmm. It really defines a person and it helps you grow up as a person and you learn to not deal with all the BS in life because looking back, I can definitely tell that I was the more grown up uh, out of all my friends in high school just because of my life experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So how does uh how does your past experiences for both of you guys how does that uh, kind of play out in your relationship now? It definitely lets me know who I wanted and how I wanted them to act mm. and what I was not going to put up with. Yep. Uh, even though I still put up with some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I came into this relationship different than any other one 
and I was on like a no bullshit kind of mindset going into it. And I was like, either he's going to be what I, in my mind, I had like a checklist and I was like, he's got to check off these boxes or I'm not going to waste my time because my time has been wasted for too long. Mm. And I knew what I was looking for. And I was terrified that he was younger than me. He didn't tell me that till later um, <laughs> because I had like, I had talked to like my friends and actually my mom at that point, she was cool. With it. I was like, mom, I'm done dating boys. I'm going to find a man. <laughs> um, and then here came Ronnie, but no, he was definitely, definitely not a boy. He had, he had his priorities straight and it played out well. So who said, I love you first? Probably me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm the more, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. I'm the more, uh, I guess, forward. Okay. Out of the two of us, I'm the person who says what we're thinking, but doesn't want to say it. When it's nice, when it's nice. When it's mean, it's yeah, that's true. definitely mean that says something <laughs> perfect. I don't care. She has no filter and it's terrifying. <laughs> so how did you know that this was the real deal? There's that like whole cliche thing. Well, for me anyways, of like, you know, the you know when and you know whatever. And I thought that was total bullshit. Um, I didn't believe in that. But <laughs> there was something just completely different. And I felt this like weird sense of like being safe. I just felt safe and mm. comfortable. I could be who I truly was. I didn't have to pretend to be something or change who I was to be around Ronnie. And I, from the beginning, I was like, hey, this isn't me. If you can handle it, go for it. Um, and yeah, that, that was it for me. Yeah. And I guess the whole thing where you, when you meet somebody that you really love and you start gaining weight, <laughs> we both started gaining weight and we're like, ooh, I'm still gaining weight. <laughs> That's actually going to be an episode that we yeah. do. That... There's some t- statistics that show that when you're happy in a relationship, you gain weight. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, how far into the relationship did you guys get engaged? And tell us that story. Oh, Lord, so uh, December. December did six July. months. Yeah, I guess that is six months. Six months. months so he started months. dating in December. Mm-hmm. Yes. And got engaged in July. Yep. Okay. How did you guys get to that place? I honestly don't know. Because <laughs> Ronnie and I, like, pretty early on, I'd say like three, four months in, we started talking about, like, you know, f- well, actually, from the very first date we had at that restaurant, we talked about, which was so weird. We talked about like, if this worked out, this is how our lives would be. Are you okay with this? Mm-hmm. Um, which I had never done on a first date. I was like, you realize I'm going into stage management and that could mean I potentially have to move for my job. But my end goal is to stay here in Houston and work at Houston Grand Opera, which is happening, which is lovely. Yay. And Ronnie was like, same for me. You know, I'm the military. Would you be willing to like uproot constantly and have to move? And I was like, well, luckily with what I'm doing, that works out. You know, there's always theaters. There's always whatever I can find a job. But it was from that. And I think from there, we had that conversation. Everything went really, I mean, still is going really smoothly. Um, and into that, like, this is how we wanted it to play out thing, which is weird. Um, I don't like making plans like that. I like to just kind of go with the flow and see what happens. But, and I think just, we got to that point quick because we did that and we laid out what we expected. And we bought the, Ronnie, we went in the mall one day and Ronnie just casually was like, we're going in, into uh, K's. And I was like, uh, okay. And we left K's and I had his ring and then we went to somewhere else. We went to Zales. Zales and he bought my ring and then we waited like three months and then I popped a question. <laughs> um, 
Okay. And then, I didn't know when or how to do it, but I was like, well, he's about to have to go back to school and start doing some stuff. And I want this to be a thing. So, yeah. So what was that day like for you, Ronnie? I had no idea what was going on. We were, I, I thought we were just going down to Galveston, going to spend time with my family and watch the fireworks. Oh, I had okay. planned it for like months. This has been like months in plan. So he had given the ring to my mom. I didn't even see it happen. And I was like, okay. We go off to the seawall and off to a, a, one of the piers. And we were going to go on top of the building, but you had to pay to get on top. And we were like, no, never mind. Messed up that plan. <laughs> <laughs> so we just walked back down the uh, jetty and we're walking down and then we stopped about halfway. Okay, this is weird. Something's going on. I mean, nobody just stops in the middle of the jetty. They're like, let's take a picture. And I was like, okay, that's fine, whatever. Because um, I, I guess the sun was going down somewhat. Yeah, it was It was like the sunset was starting to happen. It was just it was good lighting. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, let's take a picture. And then everybody takes their pictures or their phones out. I'm like, it only takes one phone to take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> And as everybody's getting ready to take the picture and all this, and he's about to take the ring out, my sister's recording it, and she's walking back. And there's a little ledge on the jetty, on like the edge of the jetty, and she falls backwards. Oh, no. And I'm like, I was down on one knee, and she just face plants. (laughs) (laughs) What's going to happen now? So we help her up. Then all of a sudden, he's on his knee when I turn around, and I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) This is what's happening. And then, yeah, he just asked. And I said yes. And then we got drunk. <laughs> <laughs> did yeah, you both did you both know that Trey, you were the gonna be the one that was gonna propose? So how so my pickiness, I said I wanted us both to propose at different times. Uh-huh. Because there's not really a norm yet for how to get engaged when you're gay. Sure. And so I said, you know what? I think it should go both ways because I want to propose and I also want to be proposed to. We just didn't know who was going to do it first. And so I did it first. And then, what, it's probably about two weeks later? No, because I went back to school. It was like a week before I went back to school. Sometime later, I was in the closet hanging up clothes, and I turned around, and he's on one knee in the middle of our apartment. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Um, so, yeah. that That's pretty cool. Yeah, because I, I don't know the experience of being proposed to. Right? Yeah. Right, because I proposed to you. Although he did have a ring, I got you a ring before we got married. Oh, yeah, I guess you did. Yeah. Did Did either of you ask each other's family for a blessing? I did. I wanted to, but he was like, "No, you don't have to do that. What if they say no?" Blah 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 blah. So I was like, "Fine." <laughs> My family loves you. They're like, yeah, yeah. They wish they would have me instead of him. Sometimes they told me that they were like, "We would pick Ronnie over you," and I was like, "Wow, thanks, guys." <laughs> What are you guys' plans from here? So we have a year till we get married, May 22nd. I guess, yeah, that's a year and a half. We start to put the deposit down at the venue. Uh, if we keep delaying, we might have to change the date again. No. <laughs> Trace shaking his head, no. Are you guys having a big wedding? Uh, Ish. I, I've never really been to weddings, so I don't know what big weddings are this whole like oh we're really pixely the whole wedding process has been uh ronnie definitely reining me in (laughs) (laughs) so i think our original like list of people we were gonna invite had like probably 350 something people on it wow 
And Ronnie was like, you're nuts. Go for 100. Um, so I think right now we're at like 150. Yeah, and we're probably going to have to take some more people off. And, and no. <laughs> what, what type of ceremony are you guys going to have? Are you going to do a, try to do a Catholic one or are you going to do something else? No, it's just going to be, a, I guess, a generic wedding. Yeah, because yeah, the Catholic fun. Church is like, if you don't get married inside of a church, you're not really married. But you also can't get married if you're gay. So right, right. So we were just like, we'll just have somebody marry us, and then go from there. Mm-hmm. So you'll do like the ceremony at the same time as the reception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's at the same place. Yeah. So, what advice would you guys have for someone that's figuring out if they're gay or how to tell their families? Or how to be in the world. Even though it's hard, don't let other people's opinions of you make you become that person. You need to stay true to who you are. There is always going to be someone out there who loves and supports you no matter what. So just stay true to who you are. And eventually it will all at some point pan out and be okay. Yeah. I mean, be who you are. And if people accept you for who you are, great. If they don't. Maybe you need to reevaluate your life and maybe they don't need to be there. Yep, absolutely. Because why have negative... You good? Why have (laughs) negativity in your life when you don't need it? I think that's great advice. Cross the board for any person in a committed relationship, right? Absolutely. Because it's between the two people and it's not really anyone else's business. Absolutely. How are you guys in public? Do you have public displays of affection? Do you ever get any looks? I think it depends on where we are. Uh, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> lovey-dovey person, and I don't have to be on that person 24-7. Um, I hate when people are clingy, so that works out good for both of us because mm-hmm. we just kind of like do our thing. Yeah, but um, but we've... there's Personally, whenever I go to A&M to visit Ronnie, I feel like I get a lot more looks in College Station than when we're here in Houston, just -hmm. because that is a way more conservative town. Mm -hmm. And and there are times where I've literally told Ronnie, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to go there because I feel awkward. And he's like, but we are who we are, so they can like get over it. And I'm like, no, (laughs) but it still just feels awkward. Yeah. And even like sometimes in Houston, though, there's been like, (laughs) we went, well, this is before you, I went to a restaurant and um, I had on a pair of tight jeans and there was this guy like homeless dude like meth head drugged out literally started yelling at me as i was leaving the restaurant look at that faggot wearing those skin tight jeans and it's just that like you feel like you're safe because you're surrounded all the time by your friends and family and stuff who support you but then there are some of those people out there that you don't expect that are so hateful but i just think it really depends where we're at who we're with Mm -hmm. yeah it's just all based on the circumstances have you guys ever traveled to any other states yeah. Yes, we actually went to Florida to visit my grandma uh, okay. over the summer. And and have you noticed a difference in you know the the state culture and how they are you know they approach gay relationships? Probably while we were driving there, just the states you cross, Alabama and Mississippi, they're definitely more critical about it, just because that's the nature of the beast. That's how they are. When we checked into our hotel in Alabama, the lady at the front desk checking us in, like she didn't say anything, but you could just tell she was so judgy and she like knew. And uh, she just like gave us this look when we checked in and I was like, okay, bitch. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We had a similar experience in Alabama because we're an interracial couple Mm -hmm. and it was, it's a little scary. You know, I mean, people have killed people over these things. Yeah. Yeah. 
Alabama's still a little backwards. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> what does your partner do that you know they love you? I'm a whole lot to handle. <laughs> and I know I'm a pain in the ass a lot of the time. And especially because for me, when I'm in my job, I'm in that mode of like having to stage manage. And I'm like constantly like making things happen and like being the person, making sure everything's moving forward. And sometimes I don't necessarily turn that off when I come home. And it takes me a while to like adjust. And he puts up with it. He'll be like, check yourself. <laughs> and I just have that moment of like, okay. And he puts up with me. And then, you know, after I come back to reality, he comes over and like does the wrap his arms around me from behind thing. And I'm like, okay, great. We're good. I know I pissed him off, but like he loves me. And that's just, I feel safe then when he does that gesture. I guess mine a little bit more than that. Because since I am in College Station majority of the time, it's kind of a hassle of driving an hour, an hour and a half just to come see me for, you know, two hours, maybe three and have dinner and then go back and turn around and have another hour, hour and a half drive back home. I mean, it make, it doesn't seem like a lot, but if you haven't seen the person in a week or two, yeah. it makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Do you guys plan on having children? Yes. Yes. But we have different opinions on how we should go about this. Yes. Personally, I think there are so many children who need to be adopted that I want to adopt children for that reason. And I think that I would love them just as much as if it was my own child. And I kind of want to have my own children. Um, and use a surrogate. And yep. use a surrogate just because I want somebody to pass my stuff down to. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, whatever's not easiest, but what makes us the most happy at the end of the day is probably what we're going to do. How are you guys going to deal with last names? Since I have to wear a name tag all the time, I want my name as short as possible. So we'll probably just take my name. Yeah, I definitely think in like my personal life, I'll take, I'll be Trey Hayward. But because of like the theater career, it's all about people like knowing you and people already know me as Trey Taylor. In that end of the world, I'll probably stay with the Trey Taylor. But in our like personal life, I'll take I'll do I'll be Trey Hayward. Okay, and that would be like marriage license. Yeah. Would, okay, like saw the legal kind of documents. All the stuff. legal stuff would say Trey Hayward. Got yes. it. Okay. Did you guys have to debate that, or how did how did that decision go about? Not like a five minute debate. <laughs> I really wanted it to be hyphenated, but then like he had a really valid point, and I was like, all right, you're right. Why am I being so picky over something that really doesn't matter? Who cares what our name is? Well, as someone that's changed my name, it's a it's an interesting thing to go through. And I think it, to me, it feels like Gene Zender, which is what I was born, kind of died, you know? And then Gene Kedkodian was born in it. It's a good year-long process that yeah. you kind of shift through. And I think it's a really cool process. Personally, I, I I like being, you know, our, your last name is your tribe. And to have that commonality, I, I really like that. So that's cool that you guys are doing that. Ronnie and Trey, really want to thank you guys for being on the podcast today. You know, this Thanks has been a, a treat for us. We, we love, you know, sitting down with couples and hearing about their relationships. Human beings have been telling stories since the beginning of time. And we do that to bond and to share and to learn from each other. And we hope that you guys sharing your story has enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. For all you listening out there in Couples Synergy, if you have any 
questions, again, or comments, please feel free to look us up online at couplesynergy.com. Until next time, synergize your life, synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian, along with Organizational Director Calvin Javier and Marketing Coordinator Bridget Reese. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. <laughs>